Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. Uh, today is a special edition Memorial Day episode, so I want to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day, uh, happy and safe. I know a lot of people are barbecuing, hanging out, uh, drinking, so I just want everyone to not overdo it, um, you know, make sure you get home safe and things like that. So for this episode... Um, First, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of Memorial Day, and then I will introduce uh, some of my special guests. So, Memorial Day is a federal holiday. Um, It was started by a group of Union veterans after the Civil War, and it was called the Decoration Day, and it was a day that they honored fallen uh, Union soldiers. And and as well, the Confederate side also had their own days, and there was competing days uh, throughout the year. So eventually, uh, they decided that they will have one day that uh, recognizes all soldiers who fought in the Civil War, and that is what we now know as Memorial Day. So uh, let me introduce uh, two of our guests. Um, the first is Sergeant John Lovell. And John is a former Army Ranger from the 2nd Battalion. He has five combat deployments and is currently working as a tactics instructor. And our second guest is Justin Howard. He served in the Army for 10 years with a deployment to Iraq with the 82nd Aviation, supporting the Apache Battalion as an aircraft electrician. And then one deployment to Afghanistan with the 53rd EOD Group, in support of 7th Special Forces Group. He's now a full-time student and a stay-at-home father. So, guys, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I appreciate, appreciate you guys taking out the time at your Memorial Day. Thank you for having us. No problem, man. Yeah, yeah good to be here, John. Sure. So, John, uh, so we'll start off with you, and I know that you guys have been combat veterans, obviously, Memorial Day, um, has a a special meaning for you guys. So, John, we'll we'll start off with you. Um, What do you think about when you think of Memorial Day? Sure. And um, first off, John, thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, And I wanted to pay my great respect to all those who have fought in past wars, uh, to those family members left behind. We're here today because of the sacrifices of those who went before us. Um, uh, But but to me, today... I'm thinking about uh, Pat Tillman. Uh, Tillman was somebody I served with in 2nd Ranger Battalion, and uh, I didn't know him well or anything. I outranked him, and he was in a different company. So aside from really just seeing him around, I didn't have much interaction with him. Yeah, I knew he was the pro football player, but you know, when you show up to battalion, you're going to be evaluated solely as your ability to ranger, no special treatment, and your prior accolades don't really mean a lot. Uh, so uh, anyway, we weren't friends or anything, but the reason I'm thinking of Pat Tillman today is because of the feelings his story represents to me now. And um, first off, of course, I, I pass on deepest sympathies to those who knew Pat, those close to him, family members. And I honor uh, Pat as a patriot and a hero. Uh, but also, and really the main thrust of what I wanted to talk about was uh, I think of those who were with him on the battlefield uh, that would fight beside him and oftentimes think of whoever it was who accidentally 
killed him with friendly fire. For those who don't know the, you know, Pat's story was killed by friendly fire in Afghanistan. Um, and you know, it, it's a weird place that my heart goes to on a Memorial day, but I really think more about those who are responsible for his death. Uh, uh you know, um, and again, uh, my heart bleeds for Pat and his family, but, but my, my heart bleeds for those who are responsible because I, I guess I just can't imagine uh, the burden that they carry. Uh, I, I think about how I would feel if, if I accidentally killed my brother. Uh, I know that I would far rather prefer that I had died instead. And I, I bring this up because I know how many veterans walk around uh, wounded by the thought of how they failed their brothers, how they could have saved some more if, if only they'd fought a little harder or a little bit better, that they could have saved their brothers and brother in arms. And I bet uh, there's a lot of veterans walking around right now, uh, Vietnam vets or global war on terrorism vets that, that really wish that they had died instead, and, uh, and they're dying a little every day because of it. Um, the, the reality is is that friendly fire, though horrific, it, it's quite common uh, in, in war, somewhere to the tune of about 20% of soldiers, and this is highly dependent on which war you're talking about. You mentioned civil war. That's 100% friendly fire. Um, but uh, 20% of soldiers around about are killed by friendly fire. And I think Tillman's death received special attention because uh, you know friendly fire doesn't have very, uh, happen very often in the special operations community. Uh, he was also a celebrity, and there was a cover-up scandal and everything else uh, uh, like that. But um, you know, the, though friendly fire, it's something it, it's not okay. It is a reality of war, and every American uh, that's ever fought in a war, you know, well, or every uh, every engagement we've ever been in, Americans have died because of it. I think civilians could judge this harshly, uh, as is probably right to do. But I think soldiers, people who've been in the thick of it, can empathize with just the utter confusion and. In the chaos of a battlefield, out of every, all the battlefields I've seen, all the fights I've been in, kind of the prime word that springs to mind is it's confusing. It's chaotic. It's not. It, yeah, it's just pure chaos. Uh, uh, really hard to uh, just uh, see the big picture of what's going on. And so, uh, those who have failed their brothers in, in combat in, in some big way or, or, or carry around some horrible, shameful burden. Now, I don't judge these guys. Um, I've stood on the location where Tillman was ambushed, and I remember the train. It was just ambush alley. It's, if all of a sudden, if you got hit in that specific place, you got three, uh, three surrounding pieces of high ground around you. I mean, it's man alive. That just looks terrible. But uh, and I've also been in a near ambush. I've survived near and far ambushes. So when I kind of recreate the scenario, I don't I don't judge the soldiers as much, and, and maybe somebody else who's there does. But this is just this is my thoughts, this is my opinion, and maybe it's stupid to others. But um, I don't excuse the mistakes or make light of the situations. I don't accept uh, anything about it as okay necessarily. But but I wanted any soldiers out there that were possibly carrying around shame. Uh, you know, to those who feel they, they've somehow let their brothers down, to those who didn't die but are still dying a little bit every day because of what they did or didn't do in combat. Uh, I cannot know this for sure, but I feel it's true that, that if one of my brothers was responsible for my death on the battlefield, 
you know, uh, I, I feel like and I hope I, I'd have forgiveness for them. I'd say, you know, it, it's part of war, man. Uh, you did your best. You, you have to let go of your shame and live. There's nothing more you could have done. Live for me or in you I'll die twice kind of thing. I, um, and so I, I guess on Memorial Day, I don't just think of the uh, veterans who died. I think of the veterans that are limping through life still because of the shame of what they uh, could have, should have, would have type doing, and it's toxic. And so uh, this Memorial Day, I'm thinking of those still alive, and my message is uh, one for them. Hey, John, I just want to say I appreciate you um, having that message, and I hope that the listeners can uh, take away from that, especially the veterans who are listening to this podcast. Uh, So, Justin, um, I'll I'll hand it over to you, man. Uh, What does Memorial Day mean to you? Uh, Memorial Day to me is, uh, you know, just thinking about the veterans that served before us, uh, the previous wars, World War II. Vietnam, the guys that really went through it, regardless of what we went through in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, but also the brothers that served with us, uh, the ones that we've lost. I think about my brothers that were blown up and shot, and I can't imagine that. You know, I've, Granted, we've seen it, but to put yourself in that situation, uh, when you hear about one of your brothers being a triple amputee or something of that nature, uh, what they were thinking as it was going down, you know? So, uh, I was going to tell the first story of my buddy Donald Vincent Stacy. He was a good friend of mine. He was with the 1505 Parachute Infantry Regiment working on Special Forces in Kandahar, Afghanistan. I was in EOD school at the time when he had deployed to Afghanistan. And I got a phone call from uh, one of his buddies that said that Donald was killed in Afghanistan by a detonation. They had seen uh, some military-age males on some motorcycles, and they were told to go check it out. Donald took the detector from his junior guy. He said, I'm going to sweep a path, and I'm going to set up a position. I'd like you guys to follow me, and then uh, we'll check it out and see what's going on. And as he moved down the alley, a uh, detonation occurred. Uh, Donald was thrown up against a wall, and the medic came running down. He, uh, he said, Sergeant Stacy, Sergeant Stacy, if, uh, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. And Donald squeezed his hand. Uh, one of his arms was missing, and both of his legs were gone. Wow. He, he, uh, he called for he called for assistance. They came running down, applied the tourniquets, and then the helicopter ride back to Kandahar. Donald died. So, wow. He was just a good friend of mine from uh, you know 16 years old. We were at Cobb Spiker together in Iraq. Right now, I was aviation. He was infantry. But we hung out. We were at Bragg together, and that was a tough phone call for me. So, uh, um, I'll touch on two more guys that were really important in my life. Uh, as I got into EOD, good friend Kenneth Wade Bennett, uh, I was young into the EOD field. He had been experienced, multiple deployments to Afghanistan, took me under his wing, and uh, we deployed under 7th Special Forces Group together, and we got shotgunned out. He went to Sparewangar Village, and I went to Bellambai Village. Uh, I knew they were doing a uh, multi-day op in Sparewangar, and over the radio we had heard that uh, you know Bennett was KIA. We got the details from it that... Uh, they were moving through Sparewangar on their second day. And uh, that morning, Bennett had found three IEDs. He had pushed everyone back and set up a good security posture so you know no one popped around and tried to shoot at him. 
And as he was working on the third one, uh, a detonation occurred, and he was killed instantly. So, uh, wow. yeah, Bennett was, Bennett was a great guy, uh, definitely a leader, a uh, father, has two kids, uh, just somebody I really looked up to, you know, a hero of mine. And for him to be the best and to die like that uh, really, really hurt me. So, And then just have uh, Nick Reed, uh, Spare Wangard Village as well. Same thing, EOD, 7 Special Forces Group, uh, clearing the way. Decided to take a, a position on a roof for a sniper team so they could pull Overwatch for the guys as they did a small kill team to the village. And as they got to the top of the roof, uh, there was an IED actually on the roof. Uh, it was a bilateral amputee, and he was thrown off of the roof. Wow. Uh, his heart stopped seven times <clears throat> at Kandahar Airfield. Uh, he was flown to Flanschel, Germany. Where he was greeted by his family, and they died by he died with his family by his side. So, you know, thinking of those three guys being my friends, you know, day in day out, working with them, and then getting those phone calls and hearing that over the radio, the traffic, you know, the JTAC call on the bird and everything else is that's what I think about on Memorial Day. Right, right, and I, I know that's not easy, man. And um, you know, I appreciate you sharing uh, the story of these uh, soldiers on here and I know that the audience will definitely appreciate it. Um and you know for me when I when I think of Memorial Day, I obviously I think of you know all the veterans who uh came and went, um the guys who paved the way in you know World War 1, World War 2. Um you know I I've had a um a former Mac VSOG team leader, a special forces team leader on the podcast before, a guy by the name of Mike Stahl. Um and and I'm a bit of a history geek, so I, I've read a lot about Vietnam and specifically uh, special forces in Vietnam. And a lot of the special reconnaissance teams who were operating uh, deep behind enemy lines, a lot of them just went missing uh, off the face of the earth and they were never heard from again. And um, so for, for those guys, for their families, you know, I just want to let them know that, you know, we still think of them and... Uh, and they're not forgotten. Hey, John, I just wanted to uh, highlight some of the sacrifices, uh, you know, like you were talking about, made from some of the guys over there. Uh, granted, this story wasn't of a life lost. Granted, the moment I thought I did and uh, definitely hit me really hard. That was the scariest moment of the deployment. Grant losing everybody else, seeing it, thinking it's happening right there. Me and uh, Sergeant First Class Tyler Anderson were attached to 7 Special Forces Group, and we were moving through Kogiani Village right in front of Bob Zangabad. Uh, no one had actually been into the village in a while. As we were moving through, uh, our ODA captain had told us, we're going to set up a security element right, right here, about 50 meters north down this alley. You guys can go ahead and sweep that and get those infantry guys down there. We'll keep pushing west a little bit. We told him, Roger. So we started sweeping down the alley. And as we got about halfway down that alley, uh, gunfire erupted. It was extremely close, uh, loud. You could hear it going by. The dirt was kicking up off the walls, hitting me. And I looked up, and uh, Tyler had just fallen over. He slumped over. Uh, my heart went right up into my throat. Oh, shit. He's dead. You know, he's dead. Don't get hit. So I started thinking small, like, there's nowhere to go. So I just thought, really tiny. Uh, and then I heard him screaming. And I was like, oh, shit, he's alive. This is great. So I raised my rifle and just started shooting like crazy down the, uh, down the alley. 
about that time, we started a uh, round started coming overhead from 100 meters away. Two other guys opened up from a great putt. Uh, we had two rear security elements that were supposed to give us that gunfire, civil affairs personnel that had ran back down the alley and had left us there. Uh, as I was returning fire, I heard some more rounds behind me, and it happened to be the team sergeant coming up, uh, giving some supporting fire for me as I got to Tyler. Uh, as I was getting up to him, you know, I was asking where he was hit for medical purposes. Uh, he told me, I'm hitting my fucking leg. And, uh, you know, it was really good to hear him cussing and everything else. And I was able to pick him up, and he told me, he said, hey, I, uh, I can do it. I can walk. And he pushed me, and he kind of stumbled and fell down. I had to pick him back up again. And uh, we were finally able to get him down to the alley and around the corner. Uh, apply a first aid to them, uh, you know, gain fire superiority, get them back out of there and head back to the base. But granted, with all the guys that have lost, seeing Tyler doing that, that feeling of losing that brother right there was probably the scariest part of my deployment. And, and this was uh, during your EOD deployment, right? Correct, yes. When we were out there, uh, run point for the 7th Group Special Forces guys. Hey, so just just for the listeners who who wouldn't be familiar, can you just explain briefly how it works um, as an EOD? Uh, you said you get shotgunned out, so basically you guys get uh, attached to different units who need that capability. Correct. We consist of basically a forty-four man company, um, and you have basically three-man team. Uh, we train together every day, day in, day out. We we go to the ranges. We do counter IED work. We work with uh, special forces guys if they come. Like I was in Yakima Training Center. There's a lot of first group and ranger guys and stuff. And uh, train into IED. And then when you go to deploy, um, each special forces team would get a, like an EOD team attached to them. So then you know I say goodbye to my buddies. I don't get to see them for a while, and I get to go hang out with some cool, you know, bearded long tap guys and shoot stuff and blow stuff up. Nice. You know, I feel a little weird talking about just sacrifices I've been through because just as a as a nerd, like you said, you were of history in general. I think back to wars behind me where greater men seemingly fought harder wars than than I'll ever do. So really, my, my respect goes out to those of prior wars as well. The Vietnam guys I'm thinking about specifically where the hunt, the country seemed to hate them while they were doing it. And I felt like my country's been behind me and that's a whole different element, but you know what? You asked for some specifics, <clears throat> so I'll give them. Uh, but, uh, you know, j- just a lot of the hardships, uh, the gunfighting stuff wasn't really the hardest stuff. I mean, it was bad, but you know, it's uh, war is long, tedious, you know, boring, painful moments of, you know, uh, extended boredom followed by, extreme moments of incredible excitement and horror. Uh, it's not what you'd think. It's not like a video game or anything else like that. I mean, I remember just kind of the day in day out stuff where, Oh, we've been on a mission that was supposed to take eight hours. And instead it's been three days and we ran out of water. And so now we're using our IV bags, uh, trying to push fluids through our veins just to keep ourselves alive. I remember, uh, uh, in uh, a time in Afghanistan where it was so hot. I think that he didn't, index was something like 130 we spent the entire day under our trucks because there was no shade um i remember in uh you know just uh living in the foothills of the hindu kush in northeastern afghanistan where the, the temperatures were so ridiculously cold we had we had heloed in and uh, we'd got dropped off in between two frozen or, yeah two running rivers um and just the it was uh 
ridiculously cold, some, some negative 30 or something like that. And we'd instituted a rest plan. <laughs> and after about half an hour, nobody could actually sleep. So everybody just jogged in place for six hours until the sun came up. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, you wouldn't feel your toes for a month after uh, you, you get back from a deployment. Um, uh, just, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, I've gotten in, um, you know, fights inside rooms with bad guys and uh, done raids on terrorist camps and rescue mis- missions and, uh, you know, um, ambushes, all, ki- all kinds of stuff like that. R- really, the psychological stuff is is the hardest part. That's the stuff where the greatest sacrifice, uh, at least for me personally, came from. It's, all right, hey, we just got intel for another mission. No, you guys, you haven't slept in 48 hours, but he- here you go. This one's going to be a hot one. We're probably going to lose some of you. And then, you know, uh, it may or may not be hot. Nine out of 10 times you show up and it's, hey, there's going to be 10,000 Al-Qaeda there. And really, it's just some dude and his goat. Uh, but it's still that mental gearing up. It's that psychological stressor. It's that you're always thinking you're about to die or roll over an IED or something else like that. And sometimes it happens and that's terrible. And and then and then the other psychological component is I have to deal with the aftermath, the, the shame and whatnot that that I, I talked about, or just uh, the um, you know the the uh, I guess just tedious long suffering. I, I suppose it's like you get back from a combat deployment, and uh, two months later they say, "Hey, guess what? We're leaving in three weeks again." It's like I just went, I just got back. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then you start uh stacking deployments on other deployments and you feel like man there's no way i'm going to get out of this alive uh, and you're each time having to say goodbye uh to your loved ones thinking this is it this is i'm never going to see them again you got to write your death letter all over again and and a lot of the sacrifice it, it come it comes with those things uh, uh i i suppose it, it's not just about the people you lose and the things she says it's the it's carrying what you've done with you know the rest of your life uh and uh yeah people lost uh, obviously that's that takes a huge toll but i get i guess when you're when you're in it just the living day in day out it's a living sacrifice hey justin man so i just want to thank you for coming on uh taking out time of your memorial day to uh, come and podcast and I also want to thank you for your service, man. I appreciate everything you've done. Oh, thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Hey, so Justin, is there any um, any place, any social media handles where any of the listeners can follow you and uh, keep up with uh, what you got going on? Absolutely. We have a group run called uh, Panjway Valley Gun Club on Facebook. It's a group of veterans sharing from Canada, Afghanistan, and the United States all their photos and videos of their time served in the Panjway District. And you can also follow us at, at Panjway on Instagram. And uh, how do you spell that? Uh, P-A-N-J-W-A-Y-I. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, so just once again, Justin, I just want to thank you for everything you've done and um, appreciate you coming on, brother. Thank you. You guys enjoy the weekend. Hey, John, I just want to thank you for uh, coming on for today's episode. Uh, and, you know, I really appreciate the uh, the thoughts that you shared and the message you had. And I, I think it's important for veterans to hear that from other veterans uh, to help them through their struggles. So, um, you know, I just want to thank you for your service as well. Um, 
do you have any social media handle that you would like people to follow you on? Uh, sure. And again, thanks for having me on the show, John. It was great. Uh, sure. Follow Warrior Poet Society on Instagram. That's the only place I'm really at right now. Warrior Poet Society. It's, uh, you know, it's not superficial combat stuff. It's more like where people of thought and conscience can discuss the art of war together. So you get a lot under that uh, idea, but Warrior Poet Society on Instagram. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys, I'm on with Ed Drew, and Ed is a former staff sergeant in the California Air National Guard as an aerial gunner on a CSAR helicopter, which is the Combat Search and Rescue Helicopter. Uh, Ed was deployed to Afghanistan in 2013 with his unit and with a PJ squadron. So, Ed, uh, I just want to thank you for taking out the time on uh, Memorial Day to come on for the podcast, man. How's it going? That's good. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Good to be here. Cool. So, Ed, um, so I, I had a, a army, former Army Ranger and a former Army EOD guy on uh, earlier. And basically, I asked both of them the same question. I'm going to ask you the question as well. What does Memorial Day mean to you as a, a veteran? Uh, well, I, the, the name speaks for itself. Memorial Day is about remembering and uh, specifically... Uh, the, the people we've lost, uh, for me and my unit, uh, there was one person in particular who he wasn't lost in combat, but, uh, he was, he, he was lost nonetheless. And, uh, I went through combat with him. And, and so Memorial day kind of reminds me of him in, in uh, a large aspect. Okay. So now you were, you deployed with him, um, what's his name? His name is Nathan Schmidt, and uh, he was also a California Air National Guard uh, pararescue jumper, a PJ. And uh, he actually he didn't die in combat. As <laughs> make this specific, uh, he died unfortunately in a parachuting accident last year um, on the civilian side. And uh, yeah, yeah, it even though it wasn't combat the the connection we made while in combat was, uh, was profound. And that's what, um, to this day, actually, it, it still kind of floats in my head. Right. I mean, I know, you know, dealing with a loss of a, someone close to you is, is never easy. And, um, you know, especially somebody that you've served with in, in the combat theater. Uh, so, so yeah. how has that affected you and, and how have you been dealing with it? Well, uh, when I was in Afghanistan, um, I was also, I had made the, the whole deployment uh, an art project because I was actually going through a fine art college uh, because I'm an artist. And um, I was taking these photos because I'm a photographer, and they were these tintypes, uh, Civil War style photog- photographs on metal plates. Uh, you just, you kind of make them from scratch. And Nate was one of the individuals I photographed, but he was also one of the PJs, uh, that was attached to the helicopter I flew in. So when, when you deploy with PJs, uh, you have dedicated crews where it's the pilot, the co-pilot, the gunner, the flight engineer right now, they're called uh, special missions aviators. But back when I was going through, we were still aerial gunner or flight engineer. And then you've got, uh, PJs in the back and you fly with these same people the whole time. So 
um, Nate was one of those individuals who I flew with. And he's also an individual who I photographed. And uh, ironically, uh, I found out after the fact that uh, he was the yeah. he was an ancestor or descendant of uh, Buffalo Bill. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So we actually made a photo similar to um, Buffalo Bill style photo um, that he had found. And yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to, um, to do this uh, with him. But yeah, we, we were... You know, we were just got along great immediately. It, it was we had the same temperament and, and we laughed at the same things, and and so I think that kind of made a a, a bond that uh, was pretty strong. And then you're in combat as well, and you're you're doing these missions, which uh, some consider life and death. I thought it was just fun, and you know, you, you just you have that that connection. Right, and um, yeah, I've seen some of your your photos on Instagram, and they're pretty good stuff. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I I, I really my my Instagram page is is more of an art page for me, and it's it's kind of show people uh, the life of a military person and a vet. And I I started off Instagram wanting to show people something different, and, and so I put a lot of reflection into my uh, my captions. And I, I put a lot of thought process and, you know, it's not the, the, the regular thing that you're used to, like hearing about pew pew and, you know, the, the whole shoot them up thing. It's, it's more reflection. Uh, I do it on purpose and I like to challenge people's notions of, of, of what, what contemporary society is. And, and it's just who I am. Yeah. It's, it's all good stuff, man. You know, I, I actually, I like a lot of your posts. Um, thank you. Thank you. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, Hey, Ed, so can you just uh, explain for the audience uh, some of what your mission sets were like and, and what your primary uh, responsibilities were in Afghanistan? So CSAR is ultimately combat search and rescue. But in Afghanistan, we, um, we kind of operated as a medevac. So we'd get a phone call uh, from whatever FOB or, or base uh, that an individual was injured and they'd give us kind of like the, the uh, severity of the injury and we would fly out, go get the person, fly him back to our base and uh, we had primary care facility on that base. So, I mean, we would get anything from guys with blown up arms and, you know, stepped on IEDs to um, got a lot of gunshot wounds. Um, we did one recovery of... Um, of an individual's body who had um, unfortunately drowned, basically, and uh, some other stuff. I, I don't know uh, <laughs> if I could say, but yeah. So we um, just basically a recovery platform for Afghanistan, and uh, the pararescuemen were obviously the paramedics on the helicopter. And as an aerial gunner, we were <clears throat> excuse me. As an aerial gunner, uh, I was the security detail. Nice. And how how long was was your deployment to Afghanistan? It was actually only a few months. Um, the, the the way the Air National Guard works is is we don't deploy nearly as much as active duty, and we don't um, we can split up our deployments. And I didn't necessarily want to split up my deployment, but uh, my son was being born at the time of the beginning of the deployment, so I actually requested. Uh, which they, they were going to do anyway. 
to be put on the latter half of the deployment and, and um, instead of going on the first half. So it was only a few months, but within those few months, I, I took everything in 100% to just kind of, as part of my Instagram page, as part of the art that I, I normally do, uh, help people to understand the experiences of war and, and what uh, somebody might go through. Yeah. Um, so actually, what what I like to do is um, have you drop some of your contact, your point of contact website, uh, social media handles, so that people mm -hmm. can look at um, look at some of your stuff. Because I know, um, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, Thank you. Your 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 photos have been featured in like some some military publications, right? Yeah. Um, well. Surprisingly enough, and, and since this is the Memorial Day uh, episode, I, I will talk about my buddy. Uh, the, the biggest success for me was the photo of the photo I took of, of Nate, the tintype itself. Uh, that was featured on the cover of the winter publication of the USO magazine. Nice. And so they came up to me and they had asked me if, if they could like take one of my photos. So I took a, a great photo of my co-pilot with the American flag behind him. And uh, so they were like, yeah, we'd like to feature that inside the USO. But um, we also like a, a bunch of other year photos and we want to do a cover with it. So I immediately thought of Nate. And um, since Nate had uh, – the, the photo was just a beautiful photo and Nate had died, I said I would love to dedicate – that cover to Nate, like there's no other photo I want on the cover. If you're not going to put it on, don't talk to me. And they, they said, we all unanimously voted to have that uh, photo of Nate on the cover anyway. So it, it kind of worked out. But uh, so I've, I've been on the USO. I've been in the news. I've been on NPR a few times. Um, the, these photos, the tintypes themselves, they were the first tintypes made since uh, of Americans in combat since the Civil War. So that was kind of like a, wow. a historical context. And, and the way you make them is so involved and so hard to do. Uh, the news really picked up on it. And, and I mean, it. I don't want to say it went viral, but it, it, it definitely, like, I had people hitting me up almost every week when I, when I first got back from Afghanistan wanting to do a story on me. And, and, and so if you Google my name, Ed Drew, uh, you'll easily see any of my photos. And then my Instagram page is just Ed Drew ed dot drew and um you know it's an, it's an open page it's not private so you can see uh you can see all of my uh 35 millimeter photos and my cell phone photos and you know even some some current day photos that i'm taking and, and it's all reflecting on uh my experience there to kind of to help other people and, and to give people insight and do you also have a website uh yeah it's just eddrew.com Okay, nice. So, all right, so th there you have it. Uh, for any of the audience who would like to find out a little more about Ed and, and some of his work, which is very good, um, you can check him out on Instagram. You can check out his website. Uh, and, and, you know, like he said, it's it's not private, so you can see all of his work. Uh, it's, um, and I, I definitely recommend that you go check it out. So, uh, Ed, I just want to thank you for uh, taking out time of your day. I know you're a busy guy. Um yeah. And coming on the podcast, man, I really appreciate it. Um, I appreciate your service and everything uh, you've done for this country. 
Thank you. I really appreciate you uh, having me, and and uh, thanks thanks for the awesome podcast. I really like them. Uh, no problem, bro. All right. Uh, talk to you, brother. Take care. So that's it for this episode of Global Recon Podcast. Um, you know, it's a special Memorial Day episode, uh, obviously dedicated to the veterans who um, are no longer here and who've made a tremendous amount of sacrifice and for their families as well, who um, they also deal with a lot, um, having family members who serve and, and who were killed in combat. So uh, for for everyone who's serving, still serving, um, you know, we thank you for your service and we appreciate everything you do for this country. Um, and for those who are no longer here, we, we are um, always thinking of you and uh, we'll never forget your sacrifices. Uh, so, for my website, it's uh, globalrecon.net. My Facebook account is FB Recon. I have two Instagram accounts. The first one is IG Recon. The second one is Global Recon underscore Inc. And my Twitter account is IG Recon. Uh, we are now on LinkedIn, uh, building a professional network online. If you want to add me on LinkedIn, just search Global Recon. All right, uh, that's it for the end of the episode. We'll see you guys in a couple of days. Peace.